What is up, plant people? Today is a Tuesday, September 29th, 2020, and we're here with another episode of the Planthropology Podcast, the show where we dive into the lives, careers, and ambitions of some really cool plant people and talk about all the things that they love and all the things that keep them coming back for more. I'm your host, Vikram Baliga, and I'm really excited that we're together today, as always. I think I always say that, and I'm going to keep always saying that. Hope you're doing well. Uh, it has been a crazy year, and somehow September's almost over. So, uh, hooray! Maybe the semester's halfway over if you're a student. I don't know. I'm just rambling. It's fine. Uh, I don't think I've slept in a couple of days, so my brain is uh, firing in all directions. So, we'll see what you end up with today. So, um, just a couple of quick things before we get started. As always, you should go support our partners, which are. Pecan Ridge, a great local company with all kinds of goodies that are pecan-related, uh, from candy to pecans themselves to pies and everything else. Go to pecanridge.com, use promo code PLANTPEOPLE, all lowercase, all one word at checkout for 10% off your order, and they'll ship it right to your home. Someone might even bring it into your house and set it on the dining table for you. I can't promise that. That has not been validated by anyone, but it might happen. You don't know. Maybe you want that. Maybe you don't. Who knows? Um, also, uh, local LBK at LocalLBK.com. It is a membership and rewards program for folks in Lubbock, America, where you can use your membership card at all kinds of businesses, from coffee shops to movie theaters. Get discounts. Get great deals. And you will not regret it. For five bucks a month, you can enjoy the best that Lubbock has to offer and uh, support some local businesses and some small business owners who have really been hurting lately. So uh, LocalLBK.com, there will be a link in the show notes that you can use to sign up. Okay, I hope you will stick around through the credits and through the outro today because I have a trailer in today's episode for the Papa PhD podcast. And David is such a good dude, and he talks about life in graduate school and life before and after academia. It's really insightful. He has some wonderful guests, and I know it's a show that you will really love if you love this. Stick around through the credits for the trailer for the Papa PhD podcast. Are you in our Facebook group? You should be in our Facebook group. Get on the Facebooks right now and look for Planthropology's Cool Plant People. Join the group. Be involved. It's lots of fun. There's lots of cool people in there, and I know you will enjoy it very much. You can find us on all the social medias as Planthropology as well. Okay, so I've been looking forward to releasing today's episode for a while, and I just want to give you a disclaimer before we get started that I was off my game for this episode. I was recording from home uh, because of COVID stuff. We were uh, short on childcare, and so uh, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that Bradley is a rambunctious four-year-old, and, and it was fun doing this from home. So there's points in the episode where like they're screaming in the other room, and he was throwing balls and stuff at me, so I was a little distracted. Good thing my guest, Joe Vaughn, uh, 
is so excellent. So excellent. So he picked up the slack for me. But at the end of the episode, I went back through and listened to it. And I was like, man, there was so much I wanted to ask this guy that I just did not get to. We didn't get to cover. So it turns out this is a two-parter. So you'll hear episode one, or the, the first episode with Joe Vaughn today, where we talk about the timber industry and a few other things. And you will hear a super special part two next week, which I know you're going to love. We covered all kinds of ground and talked about some really cool things in both episodes. So um, I, I know you'll enjoy it. Uh, Joe is a procurement forester in the timber industry. So um, if you were wondering where the wood for your house comes from, it might come from Joe. Uh, he does everything from looking at trees to figure out which ones are best for production and for uh, manufacture into lumber uh, to handling all the logistics in between getting it from the farm or the field into the walls of your home. He's a really great guy. Uh, I just, I enjoyed so much, um, you know, virtually meeting and talking with Joe. And I know you're just going to uh, fall in love with this guy. He's really cool, uh, really genuine and kind. And he was he was fun to talk to. So uh, without any more preamble and ridiculousness, buckle up for episode 28 of the Planthropology Podcast with Joe Vaughn. All right. Well, we are up and running, and I'm here with uh, Joe Vaughn, um, who uh, I, I was introduced through to Twitter, and um, I'll let him introduce himself a little bit more, but he works in the timber industry, and that's something that I- I'm definitely interested in, so I thought it'd be great to to have him on for the show. So, Joe, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well. Um, it's a bright, sunny day in Georgia. It's pretty warm, so I'm excited to be indoors in the AC right now. I believe that it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, I believe that, you know, we're, uh, up here in West Texas where I am, it's supposed to be like 103 on Friday. Uh, but we're at least not super humid. So that helps a little, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. The humidity is rough. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, cool. So, uh, you know, I mentioned just, you know, a second ago that, you, know, you work in the timber industry and all of that, but before we get into that too much, I'd like to hear a little bit about your background. Uh, where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? What got you interested in working in the the uh, green industry? Yeah, no, that's a really great question. Um, I think like many who find their way into natural resources, it all starts with being connected to nature. Um, So growing up, my dad has worked for the airline industries as a mechanic. And because of that, we moved around quite a bit. And, you know, the common theme was me playing outside, would sometimes have friends, sometimes not. And I just grew to appreciate the outdoors, um, love to play in the rain, play in the mud, um, everything that you can think of. And so as I got older and you know, entered college, I knew that I wanted to pursue, you know, a career in the outdoors, especially after, you know, establishing my academic career as a history major was not going so hot. (laughs) (laughs) I understand that for sure. So at that point, I actually got introduced to the Student Conservation Association, and uh, they had this really neat pilot program called the MPS Academy. 
And they brought us out to Jackson, Wyoming for a week to learn about the National Park Service. And at that, you know, pilot program or event, whatever you would like to call it, um, I got introduced to some really awesome people, especially in the uh, trail crew department and also the wildland firefighting department. And I was like, wow, you know, here I am, 18, talking with these 30-year-olds who seem so much older than me, so much wiser. And they just seem like they have so much fun with their day jobs. And, you know, just talking with them and being curious like I usually am, I just asked, like, how do you guys and gals get into this? Like, I want to pursue this. And they told me that I was in the perfect position because I had just started college and I could study natural resources. And one of the people that I met was actually an alumni from the University of Georgia and told me to look into the forestry program at Warnell School of Forestry and Natural Resources. And so when I got back to Georgia, I did the research, found out about the forestry program, got into UGA after a couple of years once I completed my core classes. And during that time between transferring to UGA and that pilot program, I was actually invited back out to Jackson, Wyoming to work as a wildland firefighter. Um, and so gaining that knowledge prepared me to be really gung-ho about a forestry education. And when I got to UGA, it just enhanced that. And when I was in that program, I learned that forestry and natural resources was so much more than firefighting. And that sure. firefighting was even just a tool within civil culture, which is the art and science of basically manipulating trees to what you want them to do. Um, and so I was like, wow, like I barely have uncovered the iceberg. Um, so let me keep exploring and expanding my knowledge. And from there, I actually transitioned into learning more about the industrial forestry side of natural resources. And so here I am today, procurement forester for a sawmill um, here in middle Georgia. And um, I'm glad that I haven't looked back since. It's been an exciting adventure. Yeah. And that sounds like um, uh, quite the adventure for sure. And it's like, you know, I, one, I think common experience I hear from multiple guests that are on the show over and over is just how, uh, how diverse life is and how many things I think we try and we do before we kind of find our passion and find um, the thing that we really want to do with our lives. And, and I think that's really cool. So uh, you talked about um, uh, like forest, like being a firefighter in the forest. Uh, what is that? Is that, that sounds like you could be pretty intense. Was that a, a pretty crazy experience for you? Man, I would say that experience really helped mold who I am, specifically my work ethic, um, maybe a little bit about my safety background so, you know, while I was doing that, I think I did firefighting from 18, maybe up until 23. Okay. And, you know, some of the more serious times when we were actually assigned to a wildland fire incident, um, you know, we would work 14 to 16 hour days, oh, um, you know, eating MREs, um, sleeping in our tents, sleeping on tarps and sleeping bags. 
and sometimes admittedly not showering for those 14 days. <laughs> um, so I love that part. <laughs> um, I guess it was just me being a boy in the woods, but it was very intense. But what I really loved about it was being around so many different individuals from all sorts of diverse backgrounds throughout the country and just getting to know that individual um, because we were really cut off from every other aspect of the world. Um, you know, our cell phones would die. We wouldn't get newspapers. Um, you know, we would just be cut off from society basically. And so you would get to know a lot about that person. Um, you know, it ranged from experience. You could learn if they were on different types of crews, which we can discuss more about. Yeah. Um, but outside of those wildland firefighting incidents, um, you know, my day job was a fire effects monitor where I would study the impacts fire had on landscape. So along with the labor intensive side, I got a very science heavy background and yeah. I just absolutely loved that. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I, so I guess that led you into, uh, you, you said this, but like that led you into pursuing your degree at, at UGA and, um, to where you are now. And that's, you know, again, I think, um, I'm trying to figure out how to say what I want to say. Uh, we have, we have a lot of people, you know, we, we, I deal with a lot of college students, lots of 18 to 20 year olds that are like, you know, they come out of high school and they go into college and they're like, I'm just going to do college. Cause that's what I do, you know, or that's what you're supposed to do. Um, and, and maybe don't find the thing that they're really passionate about, uh, later in life, do you think, and this is kind of a, uh, maybe a weird question or a hard question to answer, but do you think you would have been as, um, like focused and, uh, maybe passionate about your education if you had gone straight in instead of like working and learning uh, on the field, out in the field for a while? You know, I've actually thought about that and I would say from my background and knowing myself, I would not have been as passionate um, if I were to have gone, you know, straight into firefighting or the workforce, um, you know, going to school, seeing what was there mm -hmm. um, and knowing that I didn't want to do history or what other <laughs> major um, and then trying to problem solve because I knew that I couldn't just drop out of school without a backup plan. And then experiencing something that was really tangible that I could see myself in and then having, you know, the older people around me say like, hey, you know, school's still a good option. You can actually have an academic career out of this. And after you get a four-year degree, go ahead and pursue wildland firefighting. They're like, you don't know what can happen until you try it. So I've had a very long journey. but um. I think part of that journey just allowed me opportunities to try a lot of different things. And while I was doing that, I was going through school and I could see how the things I was learning in quote unquote, the real world was so applicable to the things I was learning in the classroom. And they really went hand in hand. For sure. I think, I think, you know, in anything in life, but certainly I think in, in academics or academia, uh, context is just so important. You have to like, it, it makes everything so much easier and makes so much more sense. Um, or at least it has for me. Um, you know, I think if I hadn't gone and worked for a while before I came back to school to finish up my, 
uh, my doctorate, I, I don't, I don't know that I would have made it through it quite honestly, because I didn't have that, um, real world, world experience in that context for it. Um, so like, I really want to talk about timber because again, I'm just so interested in this. So uh, tell me about like what you do as, uh, you said you're, uh, you work in procurement for a timber company. What's, uh, h- how did that start? How did you figure out that that's kind of where you wanted to be? Absolutely. So while I was attending the Warnell School of Forestry and Natural Resources, um, we have a really great reputation of uh, getting our alumni back involved within the school. Um, And they love to come speak to the students. So I was one of those students. I talked and networked with a lot of our alumni who worked in the forest products industry. And Georgia, I think, is the number one state in the nation for our forest products industry. I mean, our company that I work for has seven sawmills in Georgia. Um, We have one in South Carolina and then one in Arkansas. And we have several in the Pacific Northwest and several in Canada. So, you know, just because, you know, networking and being curious and asking questions, um, meeting these people getting in the truck with them, seeing what they did day in and day out. Again, I saw myself in a career that I could do and more importantly, love. Um, A common theme between all these people were they don't ever feel like they work a day in their life because they have so much fulfillment out of work. And I was like, I want that too. (laughs) Um, Especially if I'm going to have to work 40, 50 plus years, um, I better enjoy what I do. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I I just like, I think I'm just trying to like put myself in your shoes and like, you know, I, in my mind, this is maybe not a fair picture of what you do, but like walking around in the woods and looking at trees, trying to find like the perfect kinds of trees and the perfect, like, uh, uh, I, and I, again, I'm showing my ignorance about it. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but like, I, I think dealing with the forest for the rest of my life actually sounds like a pretty cool way to spend my time. Like, I, I feel like I am never happier um, than when I'm around the forest and when I'm in, around trees. But then also, like, when I'm in the wood shop uh, uh, making sawdust, all of those things, like, kind of make me really happy. So it sounds like you found just a really cool marriage between all those things. Absolutely. And I guess to kind of wrap up your first question, um, so after I had networked with all these uh, alumni um, I actually had graduated college in 2016 and started contracting. So I had an LLC, a little small business where I would go and work in the scale house with the company I am with right now. Okay. Um, in the scale house, that's where I weigh in and out log trucks. And I also have to assess the quality. So basically, in my current position as a procurement forester for a sawmill, I get to see or oversee the entire supply chain of harvesting um, forest products and seeing the end product get delivered to customers. Um, so again, it's been a perfect marriage of going out into the woods, looking at trees, like you're saying, like that's really what we do. <laughs> and um, more specifically, we try to find the right tree for our right mill. And that just means that each mill has a type of tree that it will 
run really well on or saw or cut up to make dimensional lumber. Um, that's the kind of business that I am in. So I work with private landowners. I work with logging contractors. Um, I work with forestry consultants. I work with the REITs or the real estate investment trusts, um, these organizations that own a land base. Um, so I get to meet a lot of different people. Um, so not only do I get to work out in the, in the woods every single day, but I do a lot of people managing or interacting with people. And I think that's a big myth within our industry is that people get into forestry thinking that they'll always be in the woods. We'll never have to talk to somebody, but I would say it's more probably, I don't know, 80, 20, you know, 80% working with people, 20% having fun riding around in your truck, looking (laughs) at trees. Well, that's fair. And I think that like in any industry, that's always a surprise is how many, uh, like, uh, how much you have to have people skills. And I tell, I tell our students that all the time, all the time that like, regardless of what you do, whether you're, uh, you know, running a big company or making coffee or anything in between, like you're going to be expected to communicate. Um, with the people around you and communicate the thing that that you do well and effectively and communicate yourself. Um, and, you know, having just met you, uh, that's a thing that I like, you know, just in the past 20 minutes that we've talked that I feel that uh, your, your passion for what you do really comes through and you communicate that well, which kind of leads me and, and we're going to get back to, I think, some of the timber stuff, but I want to sort of put a pin in it real quick and, and talk uh, a little bit about what you're trying to do with uh, science communication and SciComm. I was just, you know, I'm not going to say I was like creeping on you too much, but I, I was looking at your Twitter and uh, <laughs> your LinkedIn and social media. And uh, I think you said something on on your Twitter, like a, a SciCommer in training or uh, uh, something like that, or a, a aspiring SciCommer. So um, w- what are your goals with that? Why Why do you think that good communication or, or good science communication is important? Yeah, I mean, I think it comes from me wanting to be a sponge and I ask a lot of questions naturally. And so I actually started my Twitter account because I was in the process of gaining a certification in industrial wood processing and even though I worked at a sawmill, there was so much I didn't know about it. Yeah. And, you know, you have this community on Twitter, um, love the science communication um, or science Twitter folk. Uh, you can ask so many questions and get so many different answers and perspectives, um, you know, ranging from, you know, a public scientist to maybe a dirt forester like myself. And so I like to use Twitter to just be a sponge, see what answers I could provide when I'm being asked something, um, you know, by a landowner or by a student that's considering going into natural resources, be it wildlife or fisheries or forestry. Um, And then I was also using science Twitter to better help me through this uh, certification that I was trying to receive. And I was like, I might not have all the books, but I've got something better than Google. Other people. <laughs> Hope you're on mute, I think. 
Oh yeah, there we go. Sorry. I was, there was screaming from the other room. So I was like, oh no. Um, <laughs> it, yeah. Like you said, always an adventure. Um, no. And, and I think you're so right about that, that um, science Twitter is such a wealth of potential information and a wealth of networking context. Like when we're not fighting about worms, which we do, you know, that happens. <laughs> um, or, or it seems like, it's funny because it seems like there's a new thing pretty much every day that science Twitter's fighting about. Right. But in the middle of all that, I found just some of the coolest, like really just kind, helpful, smart people on there. It's really cool. And um, so, no, I, I think that's really, I, I like that you say it's better than Google because the fact that you can just like put up a question and like a real human who may have 40 years of experience in the industry will be like, oh, I know the answer to that. Let me help. Is, is just so invaluable. It's so invaluable. At least I, I have found it to be for sure. It, it really has been. And I have to give a quick plug to one of my friends um, that I went to school with, Tyus Williams or Science um, Tyus on, on, on Twitter. You know, I was asking a lot of questions to him about his view on natural resources and the forestry industry since he uh, had studied wildlife and fisheries. He's like, man, you just need to get on Twitter. Like, there's so many more of me on here. And I was like, <laughs> oh, you're right. I mean, just because I'm 28, I mean, it's kind of an anomaly that I'm not on Twitter. So let's just go ahead and try it. Um, there's no harm. So again, like you can just interact with real people who, uh, you know, have some sort of expertise on a subject. And I just really love it because, you know, because of my role, I'm very business focused and I do want to be more scientific about some of the um, topics that I talk about um, to give a better reason or just, you know, consider more variables in a question that I'm asking. And, um, you know, people are just so willing to share with what they know and they provide such a different perspective than I have. And if you marry that up, you get you know, a better story to tell or, a, you know, more full picture. For sure. Well, I, and yeah, I don't think it's ever too late to get into some, like I'm, I'm 33 and I've probably had a Twitter account for 10 years, but uh, it's just in the past six or eight months since I really, since I started this podcast that I have been um, more active on it and really jumping into it. And I've, I used to say a lot, like a lot that I hate Twitter. I would say it over and over again. And it's not, mm-hmm. it's not holding up anymore. Like, I, I just feel like I'm lying every time I say it now. Yep. <laughs> I just like, no, I'm not doing it. Twitter's awful. And then like, I actually got on it and started doing it. I was like, oh, fine. I've got to maybe eat some crow here and uh, just, you know, fess up that it's kind of fun. Um, that's right i mean if we're gonna scroll on our phones it might as might as well be something that we can consume that's gonna better us (laughs) i totally agree um okay so let's uh i think let's talk a little bit more about timber so are there certain kinds of trees uh specifically that y'all look for certain species of trees yeah absolutely so you know we're a sawmill in georgia and we consume southern yellow pine um, Southern yellow pine includes species like slash pine, loblolly pine, longleaf pine, shortleaf pine, and I know I'm probably forgetting something else, <laughs> but um, maybe even Virginia pine if I haven't said it already. Um, but these type of trees are just really common 
in Georgia because um, a lot of the land ownership here is private and they like to plant pine plantations. Um, you know, there are sawmills and pulp and paper facilities that consume hardwood species. And there's plenty of different hardwood species that I'm even unfamiliar with, but right. that's just fun. Like when we talk shop, we talk about trees and what you see <laughs> out in the woods. Um, so we're primarily after Southern, Southern yellow pine. Okay. We take that tree and convert it into dimensional lumber. Okay. Very cool. So that's uh, for, for those that um, maybe don't, aren't as familiar with some of the construction terms or some of the, the terminology that's like lumber that's going to go into construction projects, uh, buildings and those kinds of things. Is that correct? That's correct. So the way I like to describe it is the, a tree is always at the heart of a home. Um, you know, dimensional lumber is the framing that is holding your house up together. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, that's really great. I love that. Um, the t- I'm going to have to like write that on something or I'm going to have to write that quote down that the tree is always at the heart of a home. That's, that's really Throw it good. on a mug. I'll get in. <laughs> oh, deal. Yeah, deal. Oh yeah. And that's something we, we talked about. We've, t- I've talked about a lot and I just haven't ever done it is like making merch with pull quotes from all these, uh, uh, all my episodes. I think that'd be a great one. Um, so Let's talk a little bit, and because I know I, I can hear the question forming in some people's minds uh, about the timber industry of its sustainability. Because I think that people maybe have uh, like a poor conception of how it works. Like I think people think, oh, you're just cutting down all the trees in the world and turning them into buildings. But that's not really the case, right? Like these are managed uh, forests and managed um, plantations. Is that correct too? That's correct. Um, so yeah, there's that perception out there. I mean, even when I look at a clear cut, sometimes I'm like, wow, like we really took all the trees off 246 acres or like 200 plus football fields to kind of put it in perspective. But, um, you know, it kind of stops there with a lot of people. They don't realize that the forestry consultant is going to go back and replant that land. And so, you know, our industry is very sustainable. Um, I think now we grow more trees than we harvest every single year. And to kind of give you a rough estimate, um, you know, our, the mill that I am attached to uses 300 truckloads a week. And if you want to, you know, kind of look further down that a truckload of, timber or logs will weigh anywhere from 28 to 30 tons. So that's a lot of volume being taken out of the land, but it's getting planted back. And somehow we're still able to grow more trees um, (laughs) than we harvest. And just remember, a tree to become mature takes at least 20 to 25 years. Um, So there's so many different stages. So that's just fascinating to me that even though it takes so long for that tree to, you know, grow of age to be cut down again. Um, and you're still again, growing more than you're harvesting. It's just really impressive. And there's a lot of science behind that. For sure. Well, and, and that's, I think that's so important to understand. And, uh, you know, I think from a, uh, climate perspective too, we talk a lot about carbon in the atmosphere and what's happening with that carbon and I think what people maybe don't maybe don't know, because for some for a lot of folks that don't study this, like why would you know? But like 
trees are pulling carbon out of the atmosphere and storing them in wood, right? Like they are turning CO2 into wood products and are turning them into tree. And then when we uh, take those trees and cut them down and turn them into boards, we're essentially locking that carbon up in construction um, where it's not going back into the atmosphere. Uh, and I think that's such a cool thing to think about that we can like literally pull carbon out of the air and turn it into homes. Yeah. And that is something that I think is an emerging um, technology within our industry that even myself, three years into this job, I'm still learning more and more about this carbon credit that landowners can get um, because their tree goes and makes a primary or secondary product. Um, primary products being like the you know construction grade lumber that goes into houses, um, the wood chips that come from that log that will go on to make paper or um, you know maybe the sawdust or shavings that go on and make wood pellets to burn as energy um, or even your wood pellet grills. I know we all love to cook out. Um, and then your secondary products are things that could go into diapers to help, um, you know, wow. provide better absorption. Um, that's called fluff pulp. Um, you know, a secondary product from the forest products industry would be like the nanocellulose that goes into phone screens. So, again, we're really sustainable. We're pulling a lot of carbon out of the air. And I think it, is a solution to maybe climate change. Um, you know, I think it can certainly help now. Who knows at what magnitude, but that's why I like to wake up every day and do what I do because I feel like I'm contributing to making our society more green, even though it does take us cutting down a tree. That's And that's really just such a cool way to think about this. And this may be, uh, here's a question. It just popped into my head. Um, because I think it's a really interesting concept and I don't know if it's something you work with or not. Um, do you, do y'all do anything with like cross laminated timber, um, or, or that type of construction material? So the dimensional or construction lumber that we make could be used in cross laminated timber. And so if you're not familiar with cross laminated timber, it is basically, construction lumber, construction grade lumber, or dimensional lumber um, glued together in um, crisscross pattern. And when you're gluing these, gluing these panels together, um, they can be, and sometimes even are stronger than using concrete or steel for buildings. So if you hop on Google or better yet, science Twitter and ask <laughs> the community, hey, what's mass timber? I hear a lot about this. I hear that it could be a solution for climate change. There will be experts on there that can tell you all about the technology that's being um, created or I guess the new technology that's being used to answer some of these questions like, you know, a lot of people are looking for a place to live and the land base is shrinking. So now we have to build skyscrapers that can hold hundreds, if not thousands of families. And this mass timber movement using cross laminated timber can help us build these structures so much quicker. Um, and hopefully at a point where it, 
is not as expensive as using concrete and steel. And it's just so neat that we have people out there that are thinking like that, just thinking outside of the box, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it, it's fascinating to me to think about, like every time you watch a movie or whatever, or a TV show that's like set in the 1800s, you know, everything's made out of wood. And at some point they're like, oh, we've got this new like technological invention. And then like steel buildings and concrete buildings uh, start coming up. But it's interesting to think about that maybe like from a material standpoint, we had it right in the past, right? Like wood is such a good construction material. We can just apply modern technology to make it even stronger and even better. That's, I don't know, I, I, as the, the more I learn about this technology, the more I think about like, wow, just because it's something that we did 200 years ago in terms of like technology uh, doesn't mean we can't adapt it and make it like even better and even, even cooler in today's world. Uh, uh, yeah, that's a really good point. And, you know, I'm thankful that you said it because it just reminds me that we're not reinventing the wheel here. We have been using wood to build structures. Um, but I think we just are now at a point where we have um, better information based off of modern technology and all the advances in science. I mean, I'm sure everyone's wondering like, yeah, wood building is great. But what about fire? You know, we see all these devastating wildfires on the West Coast um, and in Australia. (laughs) I'm sorry, I couldn't (laughs) say that one. But, um, you know, we are finding out that using cross-laminated timber, it has the same strength and really fares a lot better because of how we build this, you know, structure of mass timber, it can hold up to um, withstanding very severe fires. And, you know, with the modern fire system and the, you know, sprinklers that we all have and the smoke alarms, that only enhances our ability to use wood products. Um, We have that modern technology that will enhance and kind of figure out some of those things that we weren't able to um, a long time ago. Yeah, that's really cool. That's just, uh, you know, I, I feel like I could talk about this for a long time because I just find it so fascinating. Um, so here's just kind of a random question that popped into my head. Do you have a favorite tree or a favorite type of wood or both or either? Oh, yeah. Now, I was hoping that I'd get asked this question. <laughs> so one of my favorite trees, um, it's when I had first started firefighting and got familiar with the Latin names. Um, but I love the lodgepole pine. So when I was in Jackson, Wyoming, it was one of the first, you know, pine trees that I was introduced to, um, officially, even though I was always outside growing up and it's just always stuck with me since then, um, because I had to learn the Latin name and I believe it's Pinus contorta. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, we would just run around in the field calling out Pico, Pico for a four letter (laughs) acronym. Um, you know, as we were measuring these trees. So that's probably my favorite one. Okay. That's, that's a good choice. Uh, that's, that's a great tree. Um, I love pine trees. You know, I, I live in a part of the world where we, they're, they, they're not, they're not here. Uh, <laughs> uh, West, <laughs> if, if you've never been through this part of the country, it's flat and it's dry. <laughs> and like the tallest trees we probably have around here in the native or like, kind of the native ecosystem or 
scrubby little mesquite trees. And so uh, I love pine trees and I've always loved getting to uh, go to places where they are. We had a family cabin in Southern Colorado um, for, for quite a few years when I was growing up. And I was, I, I don't know if I was just a weird kid, but I would just like sit outside uh, the cabin and just look at trees because growing up in West Texas, where it's again, flat and dry, uh, they were like a novelty to me. And just like the smell and the, the feeling of being in a forest full of pine trees is, I think it's unlike anything else. It, it really, yeah, that's, that's so true. And I think even through science, we're finding out that things like forest bathing or just taking a hike in the woods is really good for your health. Um, so I think that's why, you know, sitting on the porch, looking at the landscape, looking at trees, it just provides good vibes and those good vibes are real. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think we forget this is maybe, uh, <laughs> waxing a little philosophical, but I think we forget, uh, and, and this has come up a few times on the show that we're, like we forget that we're part of nature and that we're intended to absolutely be with nature. Uh, we, we make it something that you have to like go and do, and it has to be like this whole big thing. And then we try to get into our cities away from it, but really we're, uh, you know, we are animals that, that kind of grew up in nature and, and evolved in nature. And it's, it's, uh, it, it's interesting that now in, uh, 2020 or I, I even hate to say the name of this year because it's been so ridiculous, but <laughs> uh, it's like I'm summoning it to do something else. But uh, no, but like, like today we're starting to, I feel like in some ways remember that, oh, it, you know, th- there's something to just being where we are from, you know? Um, so uh, I know we, we kind of chatted about this at one point uh, just on, on Twitter and you said you were kind of trying to think of an answer, but uh, we'll start kind of wrapping up. But you know, the, mm-hmm. the question that I always ask every guest is um, just for a piece of advice, just a piece of take home uh, wisdom um, for our listeners. And uh, I know you said you were kind of thinking about it. So um, I'll ask you like I ask everyone else. Uh, if you had one thing, that you would want everyone listening to this to remember, what would that be? Man, yeah, I've been thinking about this one for a while. Um, and I think that I would leave the audience with reminding them, inquire about everything that you can. Um, be an annoying person like me and ask <laughs> questions. Um, those questions could bring so many opportunities to you. Um, you can learn so much from those questions. Um, you know, the world's really your oyster. Um, so go ahead and ask that question. Um, you never know what kind of feedback you'll get. Um, be it science, be it checking on someone to see how they're doing. Um, you can just build a great bond by asking questions. Man, that's such, that is such great advice. Um, is there anything I missed? Anything that like you really wanted to talk about that I didn't I didn't ask about or that we didn't cover? Um, you know, I guess we we've just been talking about a lot of different topics. So I would just remind the group that, you know, as a procurement forester, my responsibility is to um represent the landowner and also the sawmill that I work for. Um I purchase timber, um, I oversee that timber being harvested. 
I oversee the process of it being converted from a tree to a dimensional log, and then even have the opportunity of seeing how the byproducts of that tree go on to make another product like diapers or cell phones or paper. Um, So the forest product industry is just not about cutting down a tree. Um, It creates a lot of the things that we use day in and day out. And it's really important that we all recognize that it's kind of like just knowing where your food comes from when it lands on your table. Um, So that's the only thing I would like to leave with the group. Okay. Yeah, no, that's, that's a, that's a great point for sure. Like you, just like, you know, where your food comes from, you should know where your house comes from too. (laughs) Um, So where all can we find you? Uh, uh, Plug your stuff. Tell us where we can track you down on the internet or wherever else. Yeah, I'm always open to questions, always open to have a conversation. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Joe Talks Timber. Um, And another great place to find me if you're looking at any career advice or, you know, you're looking at different schools or programs that are um, natural resource related, you can go ahead and find me on LinkedIn at my full name, Joseph Vaughn. you know, just search Joe Vaughn on LinkedIn and you'll probably find me in my smiling face. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Joe, I really appreciate your time. I enjoyed talking with you. I feel like, like I said, I could have talked about this for a lot longer and and I apologize if if I was just like kind of all over the place. I just had so many questions I wanted to ask. And my, my challenge is always, okay, how do I ask all the questions I want to in like 45 minutes? And so, uh, we, we may have to talk again sometime and, and drill into some of this stuff a little bit more. Yeah, I would welcome that. And as a, one of your listeners, I love what you're doing. It's so informative and it, you know, enhances my car ride every single morning and it's helped me improve my coffee game. So Vikram, <laughs> thank you so much for having me on. Uh, man, if I, if I have improved one person's coffee game, I think I have achieved some. No, I really, I really appreciate that. Those are, uh, that means a lot. And uh, it, it definitely, um, it is my intent to just to keep highlighting cool people like you. So, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. All right. Well, everyone, thanks so much for listening. As always, y'all are the best. And um, we will talk to you next time. Again, I enjoyed talking to Joe so much that I couldn't actually wait to have him back on. And so I reached out a few days later, asked if he'd be willing to do a part two, and he graciously agreed. So we've got a lot more great stuff with Joe Vaughn coming um, at you next week. And uh, y'all, so next month is the lead up to the one year anniversary of the Plant Apology podcast. So I would love it if you would uh, drop a review. Let me know what you've thought over the year. Uh, just give me some feedback. It would be super helpful. I'm going to release a whole bunch of content over the next few weeks um, leading up to our anniversary on November 5th. So uh, thanks so much for listening. Y'all are the best as always. Find us on social media. Um, If you want to support the show, you can do so at patreon.com slash plantapology. Thanks to the Texas Tech Department of Plant and Soil Science for all the support. Um, It is just such a pleasure getting to do this for such a cool university. So um, I love y'all. You're the very best. And I can't wait till you hear next episode with Joe Vaughn once again. Take it easy and don't forget again to stick around just a couple more minutes for the trailer of the Papa PhD podcast starting in five, four, three, two, one. Let's hit it. Hi. 
My name is David Mendes and I host the Papa PhD podcast. Is it about parenthood? Not really, but it can be. Is it about the PhD? Not exclusively. It's about growing up during grad school and about the possibilities and best practices around starting to carve and shape your career path early on. Let's say you're asking yourself, what kind of job can I get with a PhD? Or telling yourself, no one hires PhDs outside academia. Well, then this podcast is for you. Tune in to Papa PhD every Thursday and listen to my guests' insightful stories of finding their way in academia, but also in entrepreneurship and in the most diverse sectors of the job market. Each week, I will cover themes ranging from work-life balance and mental health in grad school to advice on job hunting and career building. So go to papaphd.com or subscribe on your favorite platform to follow us every Thursday and to take part in the conversation. This has been a transmission of the Podfix Network. For more about this show and other great Podfix programs, go to podfixnetwork.com.